Good morning. Good morning. Well, I got pretty good and messed up in that worship. Um, you know, I like to say that uh, very most of them probably aren't here, but I'm very proud of our worship team. They, uh, they give a lot. And, you know, I was in here on Thursday night and you know, saw them talking and working through stuff, and not just on a music level, but on a relational level. I saw God working in their lives and changing their lives and sorting through stuff, and that's where it's at. That's real church. Mm-hmm. That's the real stuff. You know? I'm really pleased with the depth of the relationship that I see our worship team developing and growing in and the way they uh, give to us every week, wash our feet every week. And if you get a chance, wrap your arms around them and tell them how much you appreciate it next time you get a chance. Amen? Uh, <clears throat> well, Lord Jesus, I just pray that You'd uh, bless my ramblings this morning and uh, that You speak to us here today. Holy Spirit, be the teacher. And, uh, have your way in here today. And, uh, teach us. We love you and we praise you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. That first scripture up. It says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Um, you know, this, this he spoke this. This was after he had taken off his, his garment and got down on his hands and knees and washed their feet. He washed his betrayer's feet. <laughs> um, he had supper with him. You know, Judas left to, to betray him. And then this is what he spoke to him, knowing that this is what was going to carry them through some of the most difficult times humanity could ever face. (laughs) And he said that they'll know you by your love for one another. They'll know you by your love for one another. I want to talk some today about forgiveness. I want to talk about us walking in forgiveness with one another. And I don't claim that to be easy. <laughs> uh, I'm sure if you talk to my wife, she would tell you that. Um, but there's a principle here that Jesus is saying in this commandment. He's saying, uh, as I've loved you, love one another. Now that's a commandment. Listen, that's not. Well, you know, if you feel like it, (laughs) go ahead and do that. No, that's from Jesus. And he's saying, a new commandment I give you, to love one another as I've loved you. Now, we've been talking about the the tree of knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life. The tree of life being the law of relationships. Okay, This being the, the, uh, the tree of knowledge of good and evil, the rights and wrongs, the do's and the don'ts. Okay. What Jesus is moving us from is from a place of do's and don'ts into a place of love, into a place of relationship. 
Jesus came to the earth and walked with us and taught us what true relationship with our Heavenly Father is. That's what He came to reveal. That's what He came to show. It says, I do nothing that my Father in Heaven doesn't tell me to do. Everything that you see Jesus do in the Gospels is a picture of who the Father is. Everything. His heart. The woman caught in the act of adultery. Brought out. They're trying to trick Jesus. The law of Moses says to stone her. She's laying there. And Jesus starts writing in the sand. There's a lot of speculation of what he's writing in the sand. I don't know. Okay, A lot of people have different takes on what he was doing. Uh, I'm not going to speculate what he was doing there. But I will say this. What he said was profound. He said, he who is without sin, cast the first stone. And they slowly began to walk away. (laughs) Now there was one there that could have cast the first stone. Who? Jesus. In, in Romans chapter 9, it says, Who is it that condemneth? It is Christ, and He died for us. Who's the only one who had the right to condemn us? Who's the only one who has the right to cast the first stone? Christ, and He died for us. He's the only one that has the right to stand in judgment of us. And instead of standing in judgment for us, He died for us. So He says, As I've loved you, Love one another. Now, put up that next scripture in in Matthew 18. Uh, I'm going to read this out of my Bible. Peter comes to Jesus. And he says, Then Peter came and said to him, Lord, how often shall... My brother sinned against me and I forgive him up to seven times. Now the Pharisees said three times. You know, maybe the Pharisees were the creators of baseball. I don't know. Three strikes are out. I don't that's that's a bad joke. Maybe Peter was trying to be really super spiritual, you know, with the number seven, you know. Ooh, seven. Yeah, seven times. Maybe he was having issues with James. And he was about on six and a half times of forgiving him. And he was like, yeah, one more time. He got one more. And I'm done. But we know what Jesus says. And he he says, no, not seven times, but 70 times seven. And what was he? Was he giving us a number there that you forget 490 times? No. What he was saying to us was you forgive. As many times as you have to forgive. <laughs> Period. <laughs> and, he get, and he goes on to tell a story. And this is powerful. In verse 23, you got to hear this. He says, For this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a certain king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. Understand what Jesus is teaching here. This is kingdom teaching. This is kingdom of heaven teaching. This isn't just some... Well, let me tell you a story. No, this is how you have to live. <laughs> this is the life that I desire you to live. This is king, these are kingdom principles that I'm giving to you. And, and the story, most of us know, uh, I won't go through reading it all, but the, the story is that uh, a servant who was in great debt uh, to his master 
didn't have the money to pay. His master wanted to collect the debt. He fell down on his face. He cried out. He said, please forgive me. (laughs) I'm sorry. The master had compassion on him. It says that he forgave him all of his debt. And after that, that servant goes and finds somebody that owes him a little bit of money. And he says, you you owe me money. And the guy begs and pleads with him, just like he did. The master tells him, no, I want my money. Then he throws him in prison in order to get his money. You know, the hope was that when you threw back then debtor's prison, you got thrown in prison, the hope was that your family would sell whatever they could sell or do whatever they could do or whatever to get the money to you to get you out of prison. Some people spent their whole life in debtor's prison. Some people are in debtor's prison right now, and we'll talk about that. Um, so the servants hear about this and see this, and they go to the master. And then summoning him, verse 32, his Lord said to him, You wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you entreated me. Should you not have also had mercy on your fellow slave, even as I had mercy on you? And his Lord moved with anger, handed him over to the torturers until he should repay all that was owed him. Hear this next verse. So shall my heavenly Father also do to you. If each of you does not forgive his brother from his heart. I'd say the matter of forgiveness with one another is a pretty serious matter to God. I remember some time ago I was dealing with some unforgiveness in my heart. And God began to deal with me about this. And he began to show me that I had people locked up in cell blocks in my heart. (laughs) And on the outside of the cell block, I had a clipboard of all the wrongs that they had committed against me. And and, And the crazy thing was, is that I was in those cells with those people. The to- you know what the tortures were? The tortures were, I, I consistently relived the hurt over and over and over that that person did to me because I wouldn't let it go. Remember my mom one time shucking oysters for my stepfather and she was using a screwdriver, which I don't recommend. And she was shucking an oyster. She took that screwdriver and she stuck it right in the middle of her hand. Almost through. You know, so she put some medicine on it, whatever, wrapped it up. Well, she had all these oysters and she didn't want to let them go bad. So Monday, that was Friday. So Monday, she decides to get the screwdriver out again and shuck the oysters. And she stuck that screwdriver right back in that same hole. It's torture, isn't it? (laughs) Mom, stop. Jeez. But it's this it's the same way when we hold on to things in our heart. It's the same thing. It just keeps getting stuck over and over. The pain. We live in that pain over and over and over. We live in this prison of unforgiveness, of bitterness, of judgment. And and God says 
the, the law of love, the new commandment that we're to walk in, he says, okay, you want to exalt yourself above that law? <laughs> you want to... You want to make someone else live according to the law, then I will, me- I will measure out to you the same way that you've measured out to your brother. <laughs> then that's how you will live. With what measure I measure it out, it'll be measured back to me. If that's how, we want to, if that's how you want to live. And, and the torture thing is interesting. It was a punisher, and it would put him in racks. And they would interrogate him to get the truth. And I get this picture of a place of discipline that our Father puts us in. (laughs) Until we come to the truth and go, God, I'm sorry. (laughs) You ever been there? You ever been in that place of discipline with your Father? See, He says, think about the cross. As I've loved you, love one another. As I've loved you, Love one another. If we want to use a measuring stick, that's fine. God says that he'll use that measuring stick too. Because see, this is the problem. If, if we're holding resentment towards someone, if, we've, if we're holding the law over someone's head, that means be, that, that we're already operating in the law. That means we've already lost sight of the cross. Because when we, have our, when we are in that place and we realize He never lets go, He never lets go. When you're singing that and you're in that revelation, you don't hold on to anything. <laughs> but it's when we get out of that, it's when we fall from grace that a root of bitterness springs up and defiles many. It's when we get our eyes off the cross. We get our eyes off of mercy. And we begin to be the judge. We're going to... By God, to make them pay. I remember one day, <laughs> my mother-in-law, when I lived in Florida, always had projects for me when I go to her house. And this Saturday was no different. I go to her house and she had some things on her roof that needed to be patched. So I went to Walmart and I was looking for some bull. Some, some older folks in here know what bull is. Roof cement. And uh, you can open a can of that stuff. It just crawls on you. Pat knows, right? I mean, that stuff's black tar, man. I'd open it up and it'd just be... Yeah, I'm like, what happened? <laughs> but, uh, so we pull up We pull up to Walmart. And, uh, <laughs> and there's this guy in a big old four-wheel drive pickup truck in Okeechobee. He's got a belt buckle size of a hubcap, okay? And, uh, and it's like he bought a stereo and he couldn't wait to get out of the parking lot before he installed it, you know? Well, he was, his door was open blocking the second best parking spot. He had the first best blocking the second best parking spot at Walmart. So I just kind of pull up and I wait. And I see him looking. He's kind of frustrated. He shuts his door and I pull in. We go in. We, well, we didn't find him there. We come out. And I come out and he's got his door sitting on my car. And it's, and it's rubbed a little bit of paint off of his truck onto my car. You know? Well, I wanted to say something, but he was a pretty big old boy, you know. And, uh, so I didn't say anything. But I was fuming. Getting in my car and frustrated. And I'm trying to pray. I'm like, Lord, 
I should have called the insurance company. I should have made it pay for that. You know, da, 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 I'm going on this thing, you know. Let me tell you something. When you're in the middle of forgiving and you're in the middle of dealing with something with the Lord, don't talk about it, okay? Because it'll just fuel it. Because then my buddy Larry that's with me, you know, great friend, goes, man, that would have really bothered me, you know. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, it really does bother me. <laughs> Let me me just tell you how much it bothered me. So I'm getting that thing, and I mean, it's just raw. I'm just in this thing. I should pay, man. So by the time I get back to my mother-in-law, I'm just nasty, you know. I got the bull, you know. I'm going up on the roof. I don't want to be around nobody, you know. I'm just, I go up on the roof, and I'm spreading the bull, literally. Yeah, you know. (laughs) Sure, that was God's view of it. (laughs) <laughs> and I'm and I'm spreading the bull and and uh, and I'm going. Man, I should make pay. I just hear that it's still small. It can make me pay. It can make me pay. And oh, fuck. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Forgive me. <laughs> Please forgive me. And the man that went up on that roof was different, or that came down off that roof was different than the man that went up on that roof. You know, Christianity without forgiveness is just play acting. (laughs) That's all it is. It's just play acting. The essence of Christ is forgiveness. He's the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And as a Christian, a Christ-like one, so the essence of us should be forgiveness. I, I can't tell you how many people leave the church or split off on another division or whatever the case may be. Because of unresolved issues. Because as men and women, we couldn't sit down and we couldn't talk it out. And for some reason, we preach no divorce to married couples, but we don't live that in the church. Don't shout me down when I'm preaching good now. We don't live that a lot of times. We have issues with one another and we separate. We don't talk about... Oh, we talk about it. We talk about it on Facebook. But we don't really say it. We just put up the... You know, you know those... You know. Like, like it's so hard to find good friends. Huh? You know. You know those. Huh? Yeah. But we don't deal with it. And you know, we can get up here and and listen, please. Okay? If you know me, you know I'm all about the mercy and the grace of God. I'm standing up here today talking to you because of the mercy and grace of God. We can get up here and sing and shout and dance and hoot and holler all we want. But if we have not love, 
were clanging brass and clashing cymbals. Because love is the song of heaven. And when we're not walking in forgiveness with one another, we're out of tune with the song of heaven. We're missing it. I want DP to be a vibrant, living, real church, full of deep, meaningful relationships. Not just Sunday morning. Good God. It's got to be more than Sunday morning. This is an event. This is a time we come to. This ain't church, folks. Church is what I saw going on Thursday night when there were issues between brothers and they were talking and they were working it out. And they were fighting to be right instead of fighting to be wrong. That's church. That's real life. That's where it's at. And God has so much that He wants to do in our lives through that process. So rewarding, so full. That we're not living in the shallow places, but we go where it's deep. We see things from a different perspective. We're not living up here in the shallow places. Some of us wonder why we're so miserable and we're struggling with depression or this or that, things like that. Well, a lot of that stuff, I'm not saying all of it, but a lot of that stuff is because we got junk in our heart. We got hurts and pains and stuff that's happening. And listen, you can get hurt in church as bad as anywhere. But you know why? Because we're here. (laughs) People are involved and we do hurt each other. I know that. You know, I've hurt Mitch before. Mitch has hurt me. But you know what? I'm in right relationship with Mitch. You know why? Because we talked about it. We worked it out multiple times. (laughs) And I'm in love with Mitch Simonis. Okay? My relationship with him is better than it's ever been. Why? Because we didn't settle for, listen, I don't want to walk with somebody I ain't fought with. I need to know if I can trust you if you're going to fight right. Huh? I'm telling you, I'm not going to walk with somebody I ain't fought with, man. I want to know when it comes down, are we going to be able to work it out and get right? Are you going to hold this thing over my head? Listen, our relationships with one another can't be based on performance no more than our relationship with God can be based on performance. You can't hang a list of do's and don'ts over my head and expect me to fulfill them all because I won't. I'll let you down every time. But if you put mercy and grace over my head and I put mercy and grace over your head, we can walk together as brothers and sisters. Well, well, you know what? You know, they, and then, and then I and then, you know, that's what, and they were saying, and then, you know, we get into that thing and I, I'm guilty. I know I'm, I'm not saying, but, but listen, folks, we got to learn to face this stuff and deal with it and walk through it. You know, I watched, uh, I don't know if any of y'all like Medea. I like Medea. Uh, there's some awesome principles in those movies. But in one of the last ones, Medea's Big Happy Family, they get in there and, and it's been a Christian home, but they've never talked about anything. They've never worked on anything. And all of a sudden, all this junk starts coming out. And Medea goes, honey, you've got to let them, them children talk. You've got to let them say what they need to say. Amen. 
You know, sometimes it gets ugly before it gets better. Sometimes we've got to talk it out. We've got to work it out. How many married couples we got in here? Can I get an amen? Huh? Listen. <laughs> you know? Just saying. That thing, you know. Are we all right? Yeah, I'm fine. Oh. All right. In other words, what she's saying is, you're not ready to hear what I have to say right now. <laughs> you, you need to go pray some more. You're not there yet. Come back in, a few more icicles around. Honey, is everything all right? I'm fine. But you know what? I won't I won't settle for that. I just won't. By God, I'm going to press into that. And we're going to get it right. <laughs> and we're going to work through it. And we're going to get to a place of love again. And I'm if I've hurt her, I want to know and I want her to tell me. I want to talk about it. I want to work it out. How many of us get hurt? And we talk about it, but we don't talk about it with the person that hurt us or that we're struggling with. And we live in that thing for months or years, even in church. A leader says something to you, and they didn't mean to say anything to you, but maybe because your wounds, or maybe because of where they were at, or whatever the case may be, well, you wouldn't mean what they said to me. And, you know, I'm, I'm not going to that church anymore. That thing builds up, that thing builds up, that thing builds up. Next thing you know, you're, you're leaving. Your heart's jacked up, you're hurt, you're lost. <laughs> it ought not be that way. You know, forgiving my past, and we say this a lot, forgiving things in my past is for me. Okay? But understand this, forgiveness in the church is for us. It's so this body can function properly and healthy and in the right way not on sunday just on sunday mornings that's the crescendo of what the whole week should be (laughs) forgiveness is the doorway to love and love is the highest and greatest call of every saint forgiveness is the doorway to love Forgiveness with, with, uh, through Christ is, is the doorway to love with God. And forgiveness of one another is the doorway to love and relationship with one another. And without it, we don't function. <laughs> and, and I think it's important for us to realize the process that God has us in as we're walk, walking through forgiving one another. We miss out on a lot of spiritual growth when we don't press through these relationship struggles. I can't tell you how many things God has done in me through relationship struggles. I'll give you a for instance. I used to, when I was at Dunklin down in Florida, I worked at their halfway house. Before that, I was in the program with this guy named Harry Allison. Okay? Harry kind of marched to the beat of a little different drum. Okay? He was a little different. Right? And while we were in the program, there was 60, 70 guys in the program. I could avoid Harry. I didn't have to be around Harry. Okay? 
you know, <laughs> yeah, you know, that kind of thing. But I didn't have to be around him. Well, we moved to this house. And I lived right next door to it, right in the, I mean, in the, down the hallway, his room here and my room there. Okay. Me and Harry would play ping pong. Of course, I'm aggressive, you know, I'm playing, uh, and Harry would just get it back over the net. And he had this smirk on his face. And I am not kidding you, I could picture that ping pong paddle stuck in his forehead right here. That's when the Lord said, Robbie, you need to take a break from the ping pong table. So you're a little, little too much into it. But me and Harry, I mean, we're like oil and water, man. I mean, we struggled. You know? I would have to look at him and get right with him. I mean, it was that bad, you know. And I remember one day we had this big blow up, you know. And we began to talk about what we were feeling, what we were going through. The weeks and months after that, Harry became my best friend. I confided in Harry things that I'd never told anybody. Never told anybody. No one. <laughs> he became my best friend. That's, we miss that if we don't press through. We miss that. And you want to know the other thing that I would have missed? There was a lot of other people out there like Harry that I learned to love. By learning to love Harry. <laughs> See, it's easy to love people we like. That's easy. But it's the people that challenge us, that rub us like 50 grit sandpaper. That's where we're going to grow. Put that next scripture up. Well, we know that next. Go next. Okay, go next. All right, go next. Right here. It says, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. It doesn't say if you encounter various trials. It says when. Okay. Uh, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. He says, But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask, God, ask of God, who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But he must ask in faith without any doubting. For the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For that man ought not expect that he will receive anything from the Lord, being double mind, being a double-minded man and stable in all his ways. Hold on right there. He says there, Blessed are you when you persevere under trials, because in that it produces endurance, or patience. Okay? And when, it, when that has its perfect... Uh, when that has its perfect result, we may be perfectly complete, lacking in nothing. Well, many times those trials are relationships. Most of the time, their relationship struggles, what we're going through. And the hard thing to do is to stay under God's care while we're going through it. <laughs> See, the, God says, listen, while you're going through this, if you lack wisdom, ask me, I'll give it to you. Well, see, a lot of times God gives us wisdom. He says, well, go talk to that person. I ain't doing that. So now you've got God's plan A, <laughs> and now you've got your plan B. You're in between two plans. You're a double-minded man and stable in all your ways. It says, let not that man suppose he will receive anything from the Lord. But when we press through, go to the next scripture. 
starting at verse 12. It says, Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial, for once he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Okay? Once he has been approved, that has to do with purification of a coin and the weight. Okay? Back in the day, there was a lot of uh, floundering with money and, you know, it was all by weight and by purity and they would shave some off and all that. But the bottom line in this is, is God saying, once you've been purified through this process, <laughs> you'll receive the crown of life. Now, what is the crown of life? Being saved? No. The crown of life is Zoe, the God life, the very character and nature of Christ himself. The growth that we receive is we become Christ-like. The process that we're in as we go through these things in relationships, we learn how to forgive, we learn how to love, we learn how to press through relationships, and we grow deeper with one another as we become Christ-like. And when we step out from underneath God's care in that, we miss that process. Does that make sense? Go to the next scripture. Now this 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 is something here. Right. Now this is Paul. He's addressing the Corinthians. They were taking matters within the church, outside into court. They were suing one another. Okay, they had issues with one another. But I want I want you to to hear this. He says, "Does any one of you, when he has a case against his neighbor, dare to go to the law before the unrighteous and not before the saints?" Or do you not know that the saints will judge the world? The world is judged by you. Are you not competent to constitute the smallest law courts? What's Paul saying? He's saying, listen, you guys ought to be working this out in-house. <laughs> not taking it outside to the world. This ought to be sorted out amongst you. <laughs> Isn't there someone competent enough amongst you to help sort this stuff out? You know, there's sometimes that brother and brother or sister and sister or brother and sister can't work through something. Some of you married couples are proof of that. You have to come meet with someone at the church. We're at an impasse. <laughs> we can't get through this. My wife and I, early in our marriage, we decided if, if we couldn't get through something in three days, we were going to sit down with somebody. We made that, you know, a rule. And she always got right within three days. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm usually the problem. So, some way, some shape, some form. So, uh, he says, uh, do you not know that you will judge the angels? How much more matters of this life? So if you have law courts dealing with matters of this life, do you appoint them as judges who are of no account in the church? You know, now listen, we may not take our issues uh, with one another uh, to the courts and things like that. But we take it outside of the church and we get worldly advice. Well, man, I just wouldn't have nothing to do with them no more. I just, mm -mm. I tell you what I do, honey. And this at work. I tell you what I do, honey. They mess me around a couple of times. I'm done. And we got... People outside the church deciding matters that should be decided within the church according to how God wants us to work them out. They're not, the people in the world aren't qualified to sort out problems that are in the church. People in the church are qualified to sort out problems within the church. 
So he says, I say to this to your shame. Is it so that there is not among you one wise man that will be able to decide between his brethren? But brother goes to the law with brother and that before unbelievers. Now that's, that's the worst part, that they're doing all this before unbelievers. That's their testimony. Where's the love? Go on to the next one. It says, actually then it is already a defeat for you that you have lawsuits with one another. Then he says this. This is huge. Why not rather be wronged? Why not rather be defrauded? On the contrary, you yourselves wrong and defraud. You do this even to your brother. Why not rather be wrong? You hear what he's saying there? Why not just let it go? <laughs> oh, oh. Well, well, wait a minute. We, we can't just let it go. I'm right. <laughs> we can't just let it go. That's what Paul's saying. Why not rather be wronged? Why not rather be defrauded? If somebody would humble themselves and go, you know what? <laughs> My relationship with you, Mitch, is more important to me than being right. So I'm going to put love as the priority over being right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I didn't treasure you more than being right. <laughs> Forgive me. All it takes is one person to do that. I remember Tony had done something. I don't remember what it was now. But we, this is early in our marriage. And I had her dead to rights on it. I had her. And I was humbly going to her to help her see it. Because <laughs> she needed help. So I went to her. And I said, baby, da, 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 what, I don't even know what it was. She goes, you're right. I was wrong. I shouldn't have done that. She's not hearing me. She's not hearing what I'm saying. Let me see if I can explain it another way. I went through it a couple more times. Finally, she looked at me and she goes, do you want me to grovel on the floor? In the back of my mouth, kind of, <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe a little grumbling. <laughs> yeah, I thought I'd feel better. Hey, I, I'm just shooting straight with you, man. Huh? That's how we are. So, she looks at me, she says, I don't know what you want from me. So I'm frustrated, and I go back, we're getting ready to go somewhere. And the Lord speaks this to me, and He says, Robbie, if you being right, causes you not to be right, then you need to get right because you're wrong. <laughs> if you being right causes you not to be in right relationship with your wife, then you're wrong no matter how right you are because love is the priority, not being right. The difference between the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. <laughs> yeah, you can be right all day long. But let me tell you something. Being right is a lonely, miserable, cold place. Amen? Can I get a witness, men? Yeah. But watch this in the Scripture, what Paul does. This is beautiful. He says, or, he says, Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? 
Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Then he says, such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the Spirit of our God. What is Paul doing? He's bringing them back to the cross. (laughs) He's getting their eyes back on their own forgiveness. And when we get our eyes on the cross and we get our eyes on forgiveness, forgiving someone else is a lot easier. It is impossible for us to truly forgive someone apart from the cross of Jesus Christ. We can't do it. There's a, there was a story about a guy that went on safari. And on that safari, they went through a shallow river. He had a guide. He went through a shallow river. Thanks, buddy. And uh, when they came out on the other side of that shallow river, they had leeches all over and the guy that was there on safari started to pull him off. And the guy said, man, don't do that. He said, why? He said, because you'll leave some. He says, well, how do we get them off? He said, well, we have to go take a warm balsam bath. So they went and they took a warm balsam bath. And as they took the warm balsam bath, the leeches just lifted right off of them. Same's true with forgiveness. We try to forgive on our own, apart from the cross of Jesus Christ, we'll leave some behind. And it'll get infected. But if we take a warm balsam bath in the forgiveness and mercy of Christ for us, you know where we come to? Maybe I don't know if I'm the only one, but this is where I usually come to. Who am I? Who am I to hold anything against anyone? God, you've forgiven me such a great debt. I don't have any right to hold anything against anyone. Back up to those verses before that last verse, that Colossians passage. Yeah, right there. So as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving each other, whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. In the light of His mercy and in the light of His grace, for us, we can forgive one another. When we get away from that, you find yourself having a lot of grudges, having a lot of issues with somebody, it's probably because you've gotten away from the cross yourself. And see, many times, this is the problem with us, and I'm kind of rambling now, but this is the problem. We ask for forgiveness for our own stuff, but we don't receive forgiveness. Hear me. We ask for forgiveness, but we don't receive it. We don't take the time to hear Papa say, I forgive you, son. I love you. I'm going to tell you, there's two of the most profound questions you can ask God. And you you want to get close to Him, you ask Him these two questions. I've watched it every day with men. Lord, do you forgive me? I just watch Him melt. Lord, do you love me? And I watch them fall apart. A lot of times we're on the go and we ask God to forgive us. And we keep asking Him to forgive us for the same sin over and over and over. It's like paying the December light bill in February. 
You've already paid it. Why keep paying? Why would you keep paying that light bill again? You wouldn't. I mean, that's kind of dumb. But we keep asking forgiveness for the same sin over and over. Why? Because we don't take time to receive the forgiveness from God. We don't take time to hear Him say, I forgive you, son. I love you. Paul flipped the script on him when he said what he said. And when we look into mercy and grace in our lives, it changes us. It's hard to hold on to things in the light of God's mercy and grace towards us. So, what do we do? What's the time, Mitchell? So, what do we do when we're hurt by someone? Well, let let me give you a recommendation. Pray. <laughs> let me let me tell you something not to do right when you get hurt is go to them. That's probably not the time. Okay. Let me give you let me give you another story. This is recent. Uh, about three or four weeks ago, I was asked to lead worship or not lead worship to help with worship and. Uh, And I got up, I got up about 4.30, I put together a couple songs, just some praying and all that, and I got in here, and Rick was heading everything up, and, and uh, Josh came up to me and said, listen, uh, probably won't be able to do one song, you know, I'm like, oh, okay, all right, well, you know, I'll just, that's cool, you know, I'll just do one song, I understand, you know, we got a lot going on, and, you know, that's good, that's fine. So we go through that time, and Come to the second service. Josh says, "Listen, uh, Rick wants to uh, Rick wants to change the order of service around." He said, "I don't even know if we'll get to that song we're doing." Oh, okay, all right. Well, I guess we won't do it then. I didn't say that. I mean, that's what's going on in here. You know, can't do that in church. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> So here I am, I'm up here and I'm playing guitar. And then Rick comes up. And I've already, me and Rick already talked about all this, so I'm not, I don't have a problem with that. We're good. Rick comes up, he goes, he goes, I'm going to lead them in holy. I'm going to get them started in worship. Well, which is already, you know, Rick, don't, we got that, okay? <laughs> but where I went with that, I was like, oh, okay, well, I guess then we're just chopped liver up here. And I was leading worship the next week, okay? So I, and my thinking in my mind, well, you know what I'll do? I'll just burn a CD, and when you want a song, you can just come up here and hit the button. How about that? Everybody's shocked by that. Everybody's shocked that somebody could get to that place. Yeah, It could be some on-demand worship. You know, you can just hit the button when you're ready for it and turn it off when you're not, okay? And... uh and I got done, you know, sat down, and everybody's going, man, that was such a great... Yeah, yeah, yeah whatever. I felt the Holy Spirit. Yeah, well, I feel like the spawn of Satan right now. So. <laughs> and uh, so I go home, and you know, I'm frustrated what to do and all this. And, and uh, talking to Tony about it. 
just in a bad place. I prayed. And the Lord took me back to a time when I was leading worship somewhere else. And, and uh, some of the leaders had been disappointed. And, you know, they'd expressed some disappointment with me. You know? And I was wounded in that. I was hurt. And God took me back and healed that. And He ministered to that. And He loved on me. The next day, I called Rick and I was able to share with him the testimony of all that God had done through that situation. I was able to share the realness of what I felt and what I was going through. You know, many times when we get hurt and we're going through something, it, it's, it's, a lot of times it's a button getting pushed of something that's already been there. We're, we're getting hit on something that's already there. Our, rea- our overreaction. You know, that was an overreaction. <laughs> well, you know, just do some. Because I was doing worship the next week. You know, and the cool thing was we came in here the next week and the worship was beautiful. We just had an amazing time with God. But listen, had I not prayed, you know what possibly could have happened? I could have been bent out at Rick. I could have called him, listen, y'all just need to find somebody else and do that. I ain't doing it. Bleh. I ain't leading worship. They're probably like, yeah, I know, not with that attitude. (laughs) Does that make make sense? Pray. How How many issues would be solved in our lives if we just simply prayed? The word says, be anxious for nothing. All right? Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And then it says, in, in the peace of God, will keep your hearts and minds at rest as you trust in Christ Jesus. Listen. We can have peace even if the situation doesn't change. <laughs> you know, I had a situation where somebody had done something to me at work. Every day, that I came in, the situation was the same. They had taken something from me and given it to somebody else. And I was struggling. I came in and, and it was given to another employee and I was frustrated, I was hurt. I was praying all week. Every day I'd come in and it was like Tabasco in my veins. You ever felt that way? But I said, I'm not going to let it go. I'm not. I kept praying. I kept forgiving. Same thing, true. That whole week, I get, I get to Saturday. I get up in the morning. I begin to pray. And what the Lord spoke to me was what I was believing out of that. I was trying to forgive. I was trying to deal. But there was a lie that was keeping me locked into it. And I couldn't get over it. And he showed me. He said, you feel like that you're not doing good enough. That's why they gave it to somebody else. You feel like a failure. You feel like a loser. And the Lord began to minister to me and that set me free. Monday morning came. I came to the job site. The situation was exactly the same on the outside. But the situation in me was totally different. I was free. As Neo did on the Matrix, I broke the code. <laughs> Nothing can touch me. It's true. Love breaks the code. 
When we don't live in love, when we don't live in forgiveness, we're like a daggone pinball in a pinball machine. In reaction to everything, bouncing off of everything. What kind of life is that? That's no kind of life. But he who the Son sets free is free indeed. And we don't have to live in bondage to the things that happen outside of us. We can get free on the inside. And then we can become somebody that helps other people get free. The enemy would like nothing more than to get you in bondage by somebody else's bondage so that you can't help them out of their bondage. (laughs) When someone hurts us, the enemy's always right there to try to speak a lie to us. Put up that next scripture. There you go, Luke, that, that one right there, you just had it. He said, it's inevitable that stumbling blocks come, but woe to him through whom they come. It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea than he would cause one of these little ones to stumble. He says, be on your guard. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times a day and returns to you seven times saying, I repent, forgive him. Now, there's a picture here of struggling through something with our brother. <laughs> but there's another picture that says, be on guard. That term stumbling blocks comes from the Greek word scandalon, which we get our word scandal from. It's a deception. It can be a deception. We have to be on guard. When someone hurts us, we have to be on guard for the enemy's plot and the enemy's plan in that situation. He can use that as a, the, that word stumbling block. It, it's the same term for like a stick on a trap. We knock that stick over and we're trapped. We're in bondage to the lie, to the deception, the scam. <laughs> Why does the enemy do that? Why would he want to do that to you? Because he knows that you have the power in you to get that person free. <laughs> he knows that you have in you the ability to help that person get free of what they're struggling with. But if he can get you to bite the hook, then he gets two for one. <laughs> he gets two for one. Ever happened to you? Happened to me. You know, my pastor used to have a sign on his door. I used to hate this sign. I'd go to his door and I'd be struggling. Boy, read that sign and it said, until you've prayed about something as much as you've talked about it, don't come see me. <laughs> and I'd come. <laughs> Look at this, Matthew 16, 23. Turn, turn to that real quick. I want you to see the same thing. This is when Peter's telling Jesus. Jesus is telling him what's going to happen to him. And Peter tells him, uh, you know, that's not going to happen to you. I'm not going to let that happen to you. But he turned to Peter, he turned to Peter and said, get behind me, Satan. He said, you are a stumbling block to me. For you are not setting your mind on God's interests, but man's. Now understand that. Peter's coming to him. Okay? But Jesus is not addressing Peter. He's recognizing the enemy's attack through Peter. I don't recommend if you're in a relationship struggle that somebody hurts you that you say, get behind me, Satan. Okay? 
I think Jesus was probably allowed to do that. I don't, I don't know if we are. I wouldn't recommend that. Could drag it out a while. So, but my my point is this. He said, you're a stumbling block. You're a trap. You're a scandal. You're a deception. Okay? You're focused on the things of earth, not the things of God. You're focused on the purposes of men, not the purposes of God. The purpose of God is that I would die and forgive the world of their sins. <laughs> Become a sacrifice for all mankind. The enemy many times will try to lie to us about ourselves when someone hurts us. God's heart is that we would help the person get free. And I believe that's all the more reason for the enemy to try and deceive us because he knows we have the power inside of us to help the person get free. And this this picture of them struggling and going through what they're going through, coming to you over and over and over asking for forgiveness, that's a picture, man, of not giving up on a brother, of not giving up on a sister because they're going through something. Yeah, maybe they keep hurting you, but don't quit, man. Help them through. You know, i got people in my life right now that I'm believing for, man. I'm believing for. And the minute they come to me and they talk to me, I can't wait to hold them and embrace them and love them. Believe in God's best for them. Sometimes we've got to struggle through stuff together. Sometimes things keep coming up. We've got to work through it. We don't quit on each other. We don't divorce each other. Now, we preach that in our legalistic religion, no divorce and all that crap, but by God, we don't live it in our, earthly, in our personal relationships with one another a lot of times. We divorce each other all the time. We give up on each other all the time. Don't shout me down when I'm preaching good. I love you. But listen, if we want that, what does it say up there? We don't want that just to be a sign, <laughs> walking in the fullness of relationships. This stuff's got to be real. This has got to be real. This has got to be living. And, and, and again, if we pray and we work through our stuff, if God leads us, by God, go talk to the person. Go sit down. I watched that happen the other night here. People, a couple people struggling with somebody. That person showed up. I was like, well, there you go. We're going to work through it. I don't think they were expecting that, but I was glad it happened, and it was really cool. Beautiful. Listen, you can't work through it together? Get a leader in the church, man. Get somebody to help you sort it out. But don't give up on the relationship just because you can't get it right. Fight for what's right. Fight the good fight. Man, it's easy to be hateful and mean and nasty. That's easy life to live. Let's fight for each other. Let's fight to love. Again, remember our goal. If someone's struggling or going through a hard time, our goal is always to win them back to Christ. That's our goal. Win them back into freedom. <laughs> That's what we want to see. We don't want to give up on them. I'm going to tell you one last story and I'm going to shut up. And when we don't walk in forgiveness, we miss out on a lot of this stuff. But when we do forgive, this is what we get to experience. There was a couple at Dunklin' called Pablo and Nidia. Well, 
Pablo came to Dunklin. He came to the program as a cocaine addict. Back in Puerto Rico, uh, Pablo had been married to Nidia. They'd had uh, two sons. He was an accountant on cocaine. Man, you don't want to hear that, do you? <laughs> Your accountant's on cocaine. That's a hmm. That's bad. Anyway. <laughs> So he's an accountant, and and he's getting high, all that partying. Well, Nidia kicks him out. Well, he goes moves in with another woman. Well, with that other woman, he has another child. Well, he gets so bad that she kicks him out. He ends up coming to Dunklin. Well, after he's at Dunklin, finishes the program, Nidia comes over, and they go through the family development program, and they end up staying on for SLT. Pablo ends up becoming the accountant for Dunklin. Okay? Just total, just massive redemption, awesome stuff. Well, one day they get a call from this woman that he was living with, Media does, saying that she can't take care of Robert, the son that her and Pablo had together. Media took that boy in her home and loved him as her own. Now that would be enough, wouldn't it? But one Christmas, Robert's mom, real mom, was coming to pick him up and go to Chicago to visit some family there. And when she showed up, Nidia invited her in and had a place at the table for her and fed her dinner. And after dinner, they were going to open gifts and Nidia bought her a gift. church. That's what we get to experience. That's a miracle of grace. That's a miracle of mercy. That's beautiful. And I guarantee you that had an impact on that woman's life. It changed her life. (laughs) So listen. We all have issues. We all have stuff. Meditate in the love and mercy and grace of God. And as you do, let's learn to let some of these things go. Let's learn to work through them. Press through. Don't just live our day to day and not deal with this stuff. There's stuff in your heart. Mitch is going to talk in a deeper realm next week on how we process through some of this stuff. How we deal with our end of it. But listen, we have to be positioned and be willing to want to do that. Remember, love is the priority, not being right. Love is the priority. Thanks, Robbie. Um, <laughs> I, I just I feel like at the um, as we close out, we don't really have a whole lot of time necessarily to to process. But I feel like there is a open door of there's some miracles of mercy and grace that can happen this morning. As the Lord was speaking to you and to your heart. I mean, unfortunately, message, some messages I can kind of scoot around and say, well, that, that you know, that was, I'm sure that was for a lot of people. Yeah, great message wasn't really for me. Uh, unfortunately, we're all in this message. You know, none of us can. I mean, it's amazing. And I think the biggest, you know, thing that I, I was just realizing re- recently, you know, as Lee and I had one of those, you know, discussions and 
we got unright, you know, with one another. And, and uh, gosh, how like I didn't want to even I didn't want to be around her. I didn't want anything to do with her. And I'm like, this is the same woman that I, you know, 18 years ago I signed up to for better or worse for you know the love of my life. You know all that. You know all of a sudden I don't want anything to do with her. And I'm like, it's amazing how you know just that even that bull story you talked about. You know just a little tiny scratch on the car or a little bit of paint. And how that got him. And that, that the Lord really wants to bring some some miracles of mercy and grace here this morning. That some things that we've been holding on to. I love that song and how he loves me. You know, that John Mark McMillan song, I think it was one of my favorite phrases. Is that He speaks to us. He says, I don't have time to maintain these regrets when I think about how he loves me. Always takes you back to the cross. Always takes you back to how incredibly how much he loved me when he, he did what he did and that empowers me to release it that's what i mean if you you, you can't get you can't get over it until you get that perspective and so i'm just going to pray can we just stand for a second i'm just going to pray us out we're going to have some people up here that are going to pray with you and josh is just going to play some something softly and just i just encourage you if you can come on up if you want. You feel free to respond even as I'm praying. But if you just need somebody, just come stand on Lamont. If you need somebody to agree with you, you know that, okay, I can't do this on my own. Like, I'm not, I know when I go home, I can fool myself and say, yeah, I'll do it, I'll do it, I'll do it. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll release. If you know that that's not you and you're not going to do that, come stand on this line. Or if you just need to get before the Lord, come kneel at the altar, all, uh, at the altar and and just deal with some things in your own heart. But if you need some just help, just praying through something. I just feel like there's an open door to deal this morning. There's an open door to deal with that. And whether it's, I mean, it could be as simple as pain on a door, but it can be very traumatic and hard things all the way from just things that have happened in your past and, and hurtful things. And He's not, Lord, there's no diminishing of that hurt. But the reality is that God wants us to go further in relationship. He wants us to go deeper so we've got to get rid of that that trying to maintain regrets god i just pray right now in jesus name god if if if, if there's anyone out here trying to maintain unforgiveness right now in jesus name that there would be freedom today god there'd be freedom god it lord I, you just gave me the picture that there's going to be people that come almost like with a heart of just laughter of joy because they've been hurt so much or they've been bounced for so long Lord, there's just going to be a place of, gosh, let me get rid of that so I can move forward in grace and mercy. So, Lord, this morning, God, I just pray right now that your Holy Spirit would just move in a mighty way, God, in a miraculous way. Miracles of grace and mercy today, God. And, Lord, we just know that your Holy Spirit wants to do a mighty work in that. So, Lord, we just thank you for that. We thank you that you're a faithful God and that you're true to that the word of the cross. You're true to just giving, getting us in that place, God, of bringing forgiveness through the cross, through what you did, through the empowering work of Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. The, the, the being spitten on and, and, and beaten and bruised for us, God. God, that picture, God, just empower us to, re, it would release forgiveness. God, I don't want to hold a measuring stick up, God. I want to get rid of the measuring sticks, Lord. I just want to see your greatness and your your fullness bring freedom to the, each one of us. And we just ask for that, Lord. We just ask for that.
So I'm just going to release this because we're short on time and we need to get in and out. And we got uh, kids in the back that need to be picked up. But I encourage you, if you need something, if you need to pray through some forgiveness issues, come. Don't leave this place without doing that. Amen. Amen. One one thing is that that God cares about your hurt. That matters to Him. When you've been hurt, He cares about that. And it, it, He wants to minister to that. He wants to handle that with His mercy, with His grace. Okay, But He cares. He, 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 that matters to Him. And you can come to Him with that. Amen? And there's great redemption in it. Just like that last story you shared. I mean, great redemption. Great redemption. So, I have some leaders up here. Feel free to come and, and, and pray with them. I encourage you. But otherwise... Have a blessed week, and we will see you next week. Same time, same place. Amen.